welcome. You're listening to the Wine and Whiteboards podcast. We're a team of five badass women who will be your sommeliers to the marketing world. We work and whiteboard together at our nine to five every day in B2B marketing. We're a small, scrappy team that's picked up a few secret hacks along the way, and we want to share our crazy ideas with you. Let's call it an anything but ordinary guide to marketing and design. From Chardonnay to Rosé, we've got your marketing sips and design tips. Now that's worth raising a glass to, so grab your favorite vino and join us. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Wine and Whiteboards. Today we are going to talk about the podcast creation. Sometimes the best ideas are like fine wine. They need a little time to age before they're ready to drink. Starting a podcast is one of those ideas, at least for us it is. We had to let it percolate a little before diving in. It took us nearly two years to get Wine and Whiteboards off the ground, actually. In today's episode, we're going to share our podcast journey, the lessons we've learned, and the steps to start your own podcast, even in the middle of a pandemic. So before we get started, we're going to do the sips of the day. And myself, now that you guys know I am due in June with my first child, I am actually drinking sparkling cider, which is just sparkling apple juice. So not as fun. What are you guys drinking? I'm drinking that H2O life here because I'm also doing dry January. So we are still obviously in the middle of January. So no booze for me. It's inauguration day, though. You should have drawn the line there. You should have been like, "Now I can drink now. The worst is over. (laughs) The best is yet to come. This is Katie, and I'm drinking my Bonobo Riesling. My husband signed me up for the Bonobo Wine Club. It's a local Michigan winery up in Traverse City. He signed me up for their wine club for one year as one of my Christmas presents. And I would say it's the gift that keeps on giving. And I'm really satisfied so far. I would highly recommend. I love that type of gift. I'm all down for that, mm-hmm. especially since you have your first kid. So you went almost a year without drinking as well. So you need to catch up. Yeah, I think I'm doing pretty good. I have one of those things where you store the corks and it's definitely been a lot added in there in the past six months. This is Charlotte and I'm actually doing something a little bit different today. I have a wine spritzer from Maine and Vine. I've never had it before. The flavor caught my eye at the store. It's blood orange mango. And I thought that sounded extremely delicious and citrusy. So I decided to give it a shot. And it's pretty good. It's definitely flavorful. You can taste the blood orange aspect of it. But I would recommend. This is Sarah. I'm piggybacking off Charlotte. I also have a mango drink. I, one, realized that we didn't pick up our wine club subscription from Cellar 313. So I have no new wine. And two... I started back on Weight Watchers and wine is not very Weight Watchers friendly with all the sugars and you can't have very much of it. Kind of on a hard seltzer kick right now. Drinking the Truly Mango. I had the pineapple last night and that one is also delicious. With that, let's go ahead and start diving into how we actually got wine and whiteboards off the ground. Like Paige said, it actually started a couple of years ago when we had a team offsite. And for those of you who don't know what our team offsites are. We do talk about it in what I think is episode six. Don't quote me on that. We will fact check it for you. But it's basically an opportunity for us to get out of the office, get together and collaborate and do strategic planning for each one of our quarters. After our offsites, we often get together, have some drinks or go to a local bar or get dinner together and just kind of spend some time, you know, chatting and hanging out. Well, during one of these, you know, celebratory meetings after our offsite, we were drinking some wine and we started talking about all of the interesting experiences we've had, all of the lessons we've learned and how far we had come and learned on our own marketing journeys. And we thought, well, we think we're somewhat entertaining. Maybe people would like to listen to what we've learned, our insights, and also maybe we can get a few laughs along the way. So that's really, I think, where the idea was kind of born. And part of those offsites that we do, we have huge brainstorming sessions. I think we've gone through our brainstorm or how we brainstorm and what our process is in that same offsite episode. It's just something that all of us really love. And that's where we got whiteboards from, like brainstorming on a whiteboard. And we were just talking about how much we all We all love it, and we want to share our ideas with people like us. But obviously, when you're looking to build something, it takes some time. You have to put in some energy. 
and it takes resources. So we kind of just put it on the shelf for a while. And we actually continued to joke about it and talk about it during the day when we were working together and say like, oh, that would be a perfect thing for wine and whiteboards. And it just kind of sat there on the shelf with us kind of adding ideas to it. Finally, in December 2019, I remember I was sitting at home and I was just kind of like, that's it. Like, I want to do this. I think this will be fun. Hopefully everybody's on board. It seemed like everybody was on board. So I just started building out some outlines of how, you know, how do you start a podcast? What are the things we would need? What are our initial topics that we thought we could talk about in our early episodes? And just started digging in. And I sent it to the team and hoped that, you know, they would take a look, edit it and provide feedback and hopefully sign up to be on board. Yeah, you definitely dusted off the cobwebs from that. I think it sat for like a year before you were kind of like, I'm done with this. Let's do something about it. And once you built that roadmap, the rest of us were like, oh, this is feasible. I think we want to do this. Like everyone on board. Yes. No. It was kind of a unanimous. Hell yeah. Let's go. It's important to note, it still took us another six months to actually launch our podcast after that. So Charlotte created this initial outline draft that got us all these topics and got us thinking, but we didn't post our first episode until the beginning of June, 2020. Is that right? Yeah. So I was pregnant and I think our goal was like, we have to start before Katie goes on maternity leave or else like this timing is just not going to work out. So I remember that being one of our benchmarks. We have to get it up and running before that. I like to think that the reason it sat for a while, because I wasn't officially on the team just quite yet, and you were missing that one little piece, and it was me. Little did you know. You were sent to us (laughs) to complete this project. So just like Sarah said, it actually took a few more months after we decided we were going to get started to actually get it off the ground. And so today we're going to walk through some of those steps so you guys can do that yourselves if you're interested in starting a podcast, if it's some type of venture you want to do. We broke it out in a few different topics. And the first one is branding. Essentially, you kind of want to decide what type of podcast you're going to have. Is it interview based? Is it solo monologue style? Is it conversation or co-hosted? That's what we do. It also could be a panel or storytelling. There's a lot of different types I would nail that down first before you go any further. You could also have a mix. I mean, you should probably have one main thing, but it might develop over time. We haven't entirely done this, but we've started to get into some guest interviews. And so that's something that we might be venturing into down the line. I would also encourage you to gravitate towards the one that is most comfortable for you, or at least start there. If it's easier for you to have a conversation and talk to people, then, you know, maybe find a co-host or do interviews because then it'll be more comfortable for you. Now, interviewing is a whole nother thing versus a conversation with friends. That's a little different, but maybe you can start with people that are close to you if it fits into the topics and things that you're looking to, to talk about. Trying to do something that seems unnatural will just, it will sound unnatural, essentially. And I think when we were talking about starting Wine and Whiteboards, there were a lot of these brainstorming sessions that we were having and just conversations as a team of when we were reflecting like, oh, we didn't know this before. This is something we would learn. There has, or this is something we've learned. There has to be a place where we can share these helpful tips because we know that there are teams like us that are struggling with those same things. So I think that this kind of conversational approach worked for us. And we noticed that our best ideas come when we're relaxed, having a glass of wine, not under the pressure of being in a meeting or sitting in front of our computer or things like that. So this is just what seemed most natural to us. One more thing about being conversational and having five co-hosts is there's always someone there to pick up the slack. I know our team has been through a lot in the last six months since we launched. And so sometimes there were times when people couldn't make it or they had something going on in their life. And that allowed us a little more flexibility to keep the podcast running and allow us to share the lovely editing capabilities because not all of us enjoy editing. Actually, I don't know if any of us enjoy editing, but we've now spread it out amongst us. And so you aren't editing every single episode, which can be a drag. 
It is a lot of work to do the editing, and I am very thankful that we can share that. A lot of people outsource it, and I'm not sure of all the companies that you can go through to outsource your um, editing of your podcast, but there are some tools that we've found to be helpful to make our editing a little bit faster. I think Sarah's mentioned before we've used Descript, and Sarah, what was it? Is it Autophonics? Or something Ophonics. Like Ophonics. You've used that to remove the background noise a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I think almost all of us edit on iMovie and MacBook. I think Kelly uses something different, though. I use GarageBand, personally. There's a lot of different ways that you can edit your episodes. Try and look at what's free first. We'll dive into some of these other tools later. But just think about those types of basics pretty quickly. Once you decide what type of podcast you want to do, our next step would be to define the goals and audience. Essentially, we recommend you answering these three questions. How will we want to stand out in the sea of other podcasts? Like what makes you set apart from others? What makes you unique? And then who would benefit from our podcast, i.e. who's your audience, who's going to listen to you week after week? And then what are your audience's key challenges? Because that's what you want your topics to be. Because then they're actually going to listen. They're going to learn from you. They're going to learn from your mistakes. And they're going to apply it. We decided pretty early on that our conversations probably lend themselves more towards a female audience. And they probably skew a little bit younger. And we were saying, well, who would want to hear what we have to offer? And it's individuals who would want to continue to hone their marketing skills or try new things or learn something in their career. And we assumed that that lends itself to a little bit younger of an audience. So that's really where we focused our efforts were young, ambitious women kind of in this whole, you know, this boss babe space. We felt like that was an appropriate approach for us. So that's really where we've focused our time. And I think we could probably say that we're continuing to learn our audience and learn what resonates and what they're looking for. But but that's kind of where we landed. And I think figuring that out early on is going to help you be successful, just like anything else in marketing. Also, checking out your competition is helpful just to make sure that you're not doing the same thing as everyone else. Make sure that you're unique. Make sure you're hitting what you want for your goals and not following whatever Joe Schmo is doing, trying to make sure that that is a, a key part is pretty important. The next one, after you do those two steps, is to name your podcast. This was really fun for us. I think it kind of came a little easier than I expected. We essentially brainstormed some words or phrases that we liked, wine being one of them. We liked brainstorming, so whiteboards kind of came up as our top one. But there's a lot of tools that you can use if you're stumped. We've done this in the past where we use Namelix, so N-A-M-E-L-I-X, and that is a really cool tool where it combines words into phrases or logos or whatever you have it. It was a fun tool, so I recommend checking that out if you need some ideas. I feel like we knew early on what our name was going to be because I remember us sitting at the table at one of the bars we went to. We were all drinking wine and we were just brainstorming about how we feel like we've learned some shit throughout our days. And we were like, I feel like people should take some advice from us. People should listen to us. We were all a little buzzed and it just kind of like came together and it felt natural. So if you do have something that just kind of feels natural, definitely just go for it. I think we're big fans of alliteration. So wine and whiteboards, we like the W's. I think we threw around like Brews and brainstorm or like bourbon and brainstorm, whiskey and whiteboards, things like that. But we all like wine. And it also lends itself to our audience too. I feel like the female demographic is probably a little bit more wine centric than the male demographic. So it does align with our target audience. It's important to make sure that you also Google other podcasts that are out there that don't have that name already because there are so many podcasts out there. And just like with checking out your competition as to what they're already doing to make sure it's not out there, you want to make sure that if you love a name of your podcast that it's not already out there, because then that's just going to go out the window. Or it's similar to someone else. You really don't want to get confused by a podcast that's somewhat similar. It could be whiskey and whiteboards, but it's still kind of on the same idea. And yeah, we like the wine puns. I think that's one of my favorites when I use on social. So I'm all for the wine. 
I agree with that, Paige. But I do believe, to your point, Kelly, I believe that when we were looking up the social media profiles, we did find an account that was like whiteboards and wine or something. And it was like reversed, but they hadn't posted anything in like three years. And they were clearly trying to do some like little local meetups or something like that. So it wasn't a podcast. It was something completely different. But yeah, I remember us looking that up and being like, oh, shoot, somebody has like the opposite. But it turned out being turned out to be like an inactive account. We were in the clear. The same with drunken marketing, too. Wasn't there someone who did a drunken marketing podcast, but they hadn't posted in maybe over a year? And so at that point, obviously, we didn't call our podcast drunken marketing, but we started to do like a mini series of drunken marketing and we still went forward with it. I think you're right, Sarah. I think there was one, but it looked really inactive. So we were like, "Eh, let's just give it a shot and guarantee it's not trademarked or anything. I mean, it didn't look like it would be. Yeah, we're not profiting off of our name. So it's not that big of a deal yet either. Once you have your logo name, the next step is obviously to do your design or your logo. And then also comes with a color scheme. Sarah brought up a good point to me earlier. If you're not a designer, what type of tools would you actually use to create your logo? Because I was able to create our logo in Adobe. I wrote down some ones that I found and I've used in the past. You could create your own in Canva. And that seems to be a pretty good user interface. They have a lot of good elements that are free. Another one is to hire freelancers on multiple platforms like Upwork, Fiverr, 99designs, Dribbble, Behance, AIGA, Indeed, I could go on and on and on. There's a lot of ones at your disposal. I would just make sure that you test that person out, see if you mix. Not all designers are the same. You want to make sure what you have is your final product. You want to be happy with it. You want to be proud of it. Take time for the logo. Kind of have an idea before you get going and see what you like. Do you like script font? Do you like sans serif, serif, whatever it is? You can go pretty minute details. And that's what we did. We just kind of were like, oh, we like script. We like this color. It seemed pretty easy going once we started. I don't know about you guys, but it was kind of, it flowed pretty well. Paige, what was the program that you showed it to us in? You showed us this cool program where we got to see the logo in different colors with different branding and palettes. And that made it really easy for us to kind of pick and choose what we liked as far as the font and the color palette. It's called Pitch Proof. So it's usepitchproof.com. It's a small like startup, but I actually really liked it too. I'm glad you guys liked using that interface. It was a way for me to show all the logos in the same platform without having a PDF because it's not very interactive with a PDF. You can't really show different versions. So this was a cool way to do that. And since we have a five-person team, it was a nice way for us to collaborate. I don't know about you guys, but I joined a lot of podcast groups when we were getting started and still. Sometimes I get overwhelmed because they have like 17,000 members. So there's someone posting like every second. But I have noticed a lot of people who maybe don't have a team or a sounding board, they go and post their logo on there or variations of their logo to get feedback on what other podcasters think of it. And the other thing to note is your logo for your podcast is going to be pretty small on the actual Apple podcast store or Google play. It's important to make it something that's simple and easy to read because some of them I've noticed people get very detailed or they put like an image with colors over top that you can't read, especially when it gets shrunk down to a thumbnail size. So just keep those things in consideration. That's a really good point, Sarah. Another thing too, is to watch what colors you're choosing because some colors aren't going to really mix very well at a small scale. We decided to go with like the wine, you know? (laughs) So we went with like pinks to reds or maroons. So that's how we chose ours. It could just be that you like the colors and that's why you chose them, but that was our thinking behind it. That was a really fun stage. I don't know about you guys, but I enjoyed it a lot. I remember when you first sent over the palettes and I was like, this is amazing. I loved everything about it. The wine colors and you did like the accent navy. This is the type of stuff I want to do all the time. I feel like that made it suddenly feel real. Once you see the name that you've picked out in the design with your colors, it just made me really happy. And I was like, okay, we're really doing this. 
I think we spent some time looking on Pinterest at color palettes too, just to make sure we were all on the same page before Paige <laughs> got started. Sorry, Paige. <laughs> I love your <laughs> double page and tundras or whatever. Anyways, Pinterest is a really good place to go start looking at logos and color palettes if you need inspiration or if you need a vision or mood board to show your designer before they get started. And then after we wrapped up our design and got our palettes all situated, we really started to dive into some of the basic logistics of things. I do want to call out before we dive too much into this that in order to launch your podcast, you can go through all these steps. But if you want to test something before you officially launch a podcast, you can do some recordings and post them on YouTube or something just to see if people even watch or listen to your content before you go through all this effort. So if you're saying this is too much of a lift for you and you wanna know if it's gonna be successful or you're gonna get traction sooner, there are some shortcuts you can take. And I would recommend doing a vlog on YouTube or something of that nature to prove out your concept if you have a concern around that. A lot of people are using Reels or TikTok as well. So that could be another way to do it and test out your topics or your content and see if people are actually listening or watching. I know a lot of people are doing that on social media, so that could be a small step too. That's a really good point, Paige. In terms of basic logistics, uh, some of the things we did was we went and we started a an email account, which was a Gmail, so that we could sign up for certain services or accounts that we wanted to create and have everybody using the same login. We started setting up our collaboration tools. So we do use Asana, which you hear us talk about all the time. And we also created a, a Google account so that we could manage everything in documents and drive and we can manage all of our recordings and content there. This was a really important one for us because we are a five person team. If you are doing this solo, we still recommend having something like this, but we needed something for all of us to be able to use the same thing at the same time. So whether that was a Google doc or saving it in Google drive or adding podcast topic ideas into Asana, we needed someplace for all of us to go and have access to it. Also, Google is free. Creating a Gmail is free and it gave us up to 15 gigabytes um, of storage for free, which we have just now tapped out. We had to go through and delete some things. But if you're looking to just get off the ground free, I would use Gmail because it opens up like a whole suite of things that multiple people can access and use. And for having a five-person team, I really don't think we've had many, if not any, struggles of accessing tools or anything. I think that's one thing that we've done really well, just keeping everything in order, using the same accounts, and sharing information with each other. I think transparency is really important if you are going to be starting a podcast or really any business for that matter to share things equally with your co-hosts or co-owners or whatever you might be doing. Another thing that we recommend you doing is creating your social media accounts from the beginning. We'll get into why later, but have your Instagram, your Facebook, maybe LinkedIn, those types of things ready to go. Make sure that the account handle that you want is actually available because sometimes it isn't. Wine and Whiteboards podcast was available, but sometimes you have to add little changes here and there to make it work. Also, like a million characters. I feel like the chances of it being taken would be slim, maybe, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I also think, too, that even if you do your research Googling and making sure no one has your same name, if you're making a handle and there's something that's too similar, I would maybe reconsider and make sure that's really what you want. Because if your handle is so similar to something else, it can be difficult for people to find. And I have definitely had trouble trying to find accounts that I heard on the radio or a commercial for if it's similar to a bunch of other accounts that already exist. You want to be unique. It also just also adds another step. For people to have to figure out which account you are and dive in. You want to be able to easily differentiate yourself right from the get-go. Also, if you don't want to just have it as a podcast and you want to branch out outside of that, I wouldn't actually put podcast in your handle. We do because that's pretty much all we're able to focus our time on. But I know a lot of people who started as a podcast, wrote a book, have like all these different things that they do merchandise. And so they had to kind of shorten their handle to make it work. So just think through that too. Yeah. In hindsight, we probably should have just done wine and whiteboards. 
I feel like there might have been a reason we didn't or we just didn't think it through. It's very possible. We can always update it. It can always change. The cool part when you create your Instagram, though, is that you can link your Instagram and your Facebook. I feel like we had some technical difficulties with this. I don't remember why, but for some reason they weren't talking to each other. I think it's because everyone has their own Facebook account, and so it wasn't linking the right accounts and things. But once you get it set up, it is really nice. We use Planali, but there's also Loomly and Hootsuite, and everything can post directly to Instagram and also Facebook. So you don't have to duplicate the work, and you can work smarter, not harder. Exactly. The reason I picked Plan Alley too is that they can auto post, which a lot of other platforms don't allow you to do for Instagram and Facebook. That was something that was important to us because we have a bigger team. We wanted sometimes for it just to be auto posted and everything was ready to go, scheduled, done, a little less legwork. I will say the only problem is for some reason Plan Alley doesn't work with LinkedIn. I don't know if it's LinkedIn has a weird interface or something, but I had created a separate Hootsuite account to update it and then just did not continue updating it. So that was a goof <laughs> on my end. I don't think there's one platform that auto posts to all of them unless someone knows about it and they should definitely tell us, please. Pinterest. I forgot about that one too. I recommend posting to Pinterest. That's something Planoli does as well. And we have that ready to go because I've been reading more and more about how Pinterest actually helps get you traction for podcasts. So it's something as a reminder, I need to focus on again. That was what I was going to say, Paige. I, was, I couldn't remember if it auto posted to Pinterest or not, but Planoli does. Yeah. So then the next major thing that we had to get going was obviously our podcast hosting service. We had to figure out where we were actually going to upload our podcasts and how it was going to get onto the podcast platforms that people typically listen to, such as Apple, Google, Spotify, et cetera. We selected Podbean. We don't know if it's going to be our long-term solution, but it's currently where we're at. There are other options out there, such as Libsyn. I don't love that word. I struggle saying that one. Libsyn, Buzzsprout, Anchor, FM. And there's a few others, too, that exist out there. There's actually a lot of different options. So just evaluate which one works best for you and helps you accomplish your goals. Cool. So now that we went through the basics, we're going to go into more of the fun stuff. And the things that maybe you start to write down as we're talking through it. This is the steps to launch your podcast. So the first thing that we say is set a goal date to launch. When do you want to launch on social media? When do you want to launch your first episode and go live? Set yourself a goal because if you don't set that date, it's probably not going to get done or you're going to push it. There's going to be some type of thing that comes up or an excuse. So we did that. We set a goal date and it ended up going around Katie's due date. So it was kind of funny. We needed it to go before Katie's baby came. <laughs> we were going to yeah. do something in May because it was a wine-related day. Yes. We were, oh. I think, May 25th because it was like National Wine Day. But we ended up blowing past that date. We didn't quite have everything recorded and ready to go. But it still gave us something to shoot for. And then we still launched at the beginning of June. So it wasn't that far off. Did we launch on National Rosé Day or did we try to and it didn't fall on a Wednesday? One other thing we decided is that like Wine Wednesday was the day we were going to have our episodes go live. So that's something important that you can um, consider too. What days do you want your episode to go? And again, we like alliteration. <laughs> so Wine Wednesday for Wine and Whiteboards. It was and a no brainer. And it's important too to try and have a consistency when you do your posting a lot of people go back and are like, oh, okay, it launches on this day. I'm going to come and check it out that day. So if you kind of change Monday, Thursday, whatever it is, it gets confusing. So try and be consistent. I actually found a podcast that I was listening to recently and I got really annoyed because they don't have a consistent posting schedule. And I like the episodes, but I never know when a new one's coming out. And sometimes they do them like back to back. And then sometimes they go like a month or two or more without posting. And it's actually very irritating. So I would recommend not creating that kind of experience and finding some consistency. I'm going to pat us on the back. I don't think we've missed a Wednesday since we started. We've intentionally missed some like the holidays and things yeah. like that. We took holidays, but I don't think we've missed a day. I think we've been pretty good. Yeah. I remember when we were launching, so it's 2020 and crazy things happen. I think one of our launch dates actually fell on the day that social media did the blackout for Black Lives Matter. And we made the decision that it 
wasn't a good choice to launch that day. We wanted to show our support and our respect. That was another reason we ended up moving it. I would just be respectful of important things like that in your life. And if there's other competing priorities, then it's okay to shift. That was important to all of us. And we all agreed that we did not want to launch on that day. Definitely agree. It leads into our next point where you're creating a social marketing plan, which we had set this what, three months in advance, right? We were saying, this is our countdown. And we had it for up to two weeks. We posted every single day of when our launch day was going to be. And it was going to be that day that we just didn't post anything because we were doing the blackouts. Even though you plan three months in ahead, things are going to happen and you're going to have to pivot and change that. And I don't think it's anything to freak out about. Just be mindful of those things. But the idea with that is that you create momentum and you build your audience if you start ahead of time. So that's why we decided and that's why we recommend trying to do it about three months in advance. You can also test out topics and see if people are interested in certain things. Use your audience to your advantage. Like we said, we use a social media planner like Planoli. This has really helped us with scheduling in advance. I sit down every couple nights in a week. I write down some captions. I save them. I get them ready to post for the month. It's a nice tool to not have to be like, oh, crap, I forgot. We need to do a post for today. I have no idea what we're going to do. And you're scrambling. It's not a fun experience. So I recommend looking into those tools. Help you a lot. Doesn't Plan Alley allow you to have the look at the feed and how it will look page so you can kind of determine the colors and whether you want imagery versus vector and things like that? Um, yeah, I get a little CD about my grid, <laughs> but it, it it's appealing to the eye. Like we have a color scheme that we use and we kind of stick to it. And I like to balance photos and backgrounds of colors and it makes a difference. I don't know about you guys, but it, do you guys follow people who have pretty feeds? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay. And if you start this far in advance, it gives you the opportunity to really start building that brand and develop that consistency and also make sure people are familiar with your imagery and your content and kind of what you might end up bringing to the table. So well, it gives you that opportunity. And if you do it well, it's going to pay off. And I think as marketers, we might be more aware how much branding impacts us. I guess when you just say it out loud, I wouldn't think that the way someone's feed looks would impact whether I follow them or not. But really, it, really, it does. I mean, if you think about just things in your daily life where you might not realize you bought something because of the branding. When I go to Costco, I will buy the coffee that comes in the pretty bag, not because I know that it tastes better, but because I like the way the bag looks. I don't care how much more it is. I don't care if the quality is better or less. I don't know. I'm very aware of the impact that branding has on my life and when I buy something because of the branding. And I think that's because I'm a marketer, but I also don't think that I don't think that other people or non-marketers are as aware of that. So it is important the way your feed looks. And if you're sitting there like, hmm, I don't know, is it really? It probably is. Take our advice, please. Another thing that I don't think people realize until they see it is consistency. If you're having consistent colors, if you're having consistent types of content, the way that you're speaking to people, it does resonate and people recognize it. So kind of maybe determine what you're going to post. We definitely recommend saying something about introducing yourself, showing the face behind the podcast or the faces, as in our case. Make sure that people get to know you. That's always important. We post takeaways from our podcasts and promote our podcasts for upcoming episodes. We use things like Headliner to do audio or video episodes as little sneak peeks. So think through those things, use those social media planners and start writing them down and getting them ready to post. Speaking of some of the consistencies that you were talking about, Paige, voice is a big one. Like the way in which you speak to people, I feel like our captions very much reflect our personality and how we want to be perceived and how we think we actually interact with one another. And I think that's important too, because you want to bring your personality to the table and you want to create a consistent brand personality and voice. Speaking of frequency, the next thing you need to do is choose the frequency of your episodes. Are you going to post weekly, monthly, bi-weekly, quarterly? We actually started bi-weekly and then for some insane reason decided to post on a weekly basis. <laughs> Just kidding. It does. You do have to be a little more organized and prepared with your topics and 
your recording dates if you are going to post weekly. I know a few times we've gotten ahead and we felt really good about it. We had our content all scheduled out. And then you can quickly get behind if you miss a recording day or two. And all of a sudden you're recording and then the episode has to go live that same week. And it can be a little stressful. So just make sure that you actually have time to record consistently. You can always change this. I would say less is more in the beginning. Like plan, give yourself allow yourself to only record either bi-weekly or monthly, and then you can always up it to weekly. I feel like it was harder to go back the other way. And if you're working with a team, we always recommend scheduling recording dates a few months in advance. Sometimes we're better at this than other times, but making sure you have it on the calendar helps to make sure that you're set up for success and that everyone can attend and you've got your content and outlines prepared ahead of time. Well, and then figuring out too, if you have a group of people, when and where you want to record. I think the where is probably a little bit more applicable to pre-COVID days because obviously we're all recording from home at this point. But obviously if you have, even if it's just you actually, I don't want to say if you have a group, but designating time for when you're going to record. Is it after work? Is it during lunch breaks? Is it on weekends? Are you going to try to do it at work? If you work with the people that you might be recording with, are you going to do it at home? Are you going to all be virtual? Are you going to try to get together in person? Figuring out those logistics is going to be really critical to success and making sure that you can get those uh, dates scheduled in order for you to record in advance. When we decided this, we were like, oh, we're going to do it in person, together, at work, and then COVID hit. And we had our mic all picked out and we were ready to record in person, have all this cool experience. And then we had to go virtual. So we actually had to switch over and use Microsoft Teams. You could use Zoom. There's a lot of platforms. But we actually, I don't know if people know this, but we record virtually and we have our little faces. We watch ourselves on video so we know who's you know wanting to speak next. But it's a cool way to still be together and record together, but virtually. So think through those types of things too. I actually still have our microphone that we purchased in the box in my office at home. I should just bust it out and use it, actually. I don't I know use why. mine. I got one for Christmas and I love it. The audio is a lot better for me. Yeah, Charlotte, you should use it. I, I think at one time, weren't we like, so back when we thought that quarantine was only going to be two weeks, weren't we like, oh, let's wait till we can get together to record. And in the end of the day, we just decided that launching and not having judgment or at least too much judgment about the audio quality and things like that was more important to us than waiting until we could be together once we realized it was going to be much longer than two weeks. So that's why you hear babies, you hear dogs, some of us sound louder than others. It it just is what it is. What was important to us was doing this together and getting all the tips and tricks out to our listeners. Yeah, we make zero money off of this podcast, so we're not a huge production. We don't have editing teams in the background doing this for us. So it is a, you know, it's a labor of love. So sometimes those things happen, but you got to just make do with what you can at the moment. I was going to say it is a labor of love. And even though we don't make any money, we do put a little bit of money into it because it is a passion project. We have made some purchases in terms of necessary equipment or subscriptions that you need to actually produce a podcast. So we have agreed as a team that we are splitting the costs. We really just, you know, Venmo, whoever fronted the money for something. We've had to purchase, we do pay a monthly subscription for our podcast hosting platform. We did invest in a microphone that we all thought we were going to be using together when we were in person. But like I said before, that's actually sitting on my home office floor at the moment in the box. Um, Shout out to Blue Yeti. So making sure like that everybody's on board with some of those costs. And before you purchase anything, if you are expecting people to share that, make sure people are okay with it and that you've cleared it with everyone. And if you would like to, you can buy some editing software. I know some of them do actually come with the MacBook. I believe that's GarageBand, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a MacBook, so I'm the odd one out here. I actually am the only one that has not edited an episode, which is horrible as I say that out loud, but it's because I don't have a MacBook computer or any software in order to do it. Just a quick shout out. You can use Descript, which is what I use on your PC. I'm a team player. I'll do it. I'll do it. Charlotte's editing this one right now. I can edit this episode. (laughs) It's decided. 
It's really important for all of us to try editing. We wanted to all use these types of tools and get used to them. So not one person was having the brunt of it. Because like we said, editing is probably our least favorite part of this. We love the creative side. Editing, not so much. It takes a little bit of time. It's kind of tedious, but it's necessary. We actually switch and rotate between who's doing it. So it's a little more fair. But we recommend definitely testing out your equipment and recording processes before you launch because you can think it's going to go off without a hitch and there could be some bumps. Also, a lot of things are subscriptions. So if you can just pay the monthly fee until you decide if it's something you actually want to use, you won't be out the full yearly subscription fee. We're still actually trialing Podbean because we're paying the monthly fee and haven't decided if it's the thing we're going with for a yearly subscription or not. We're not ready to marry it yet. (laughs) Not yet. We've seen some other cool ones out there, but I will say Podbean is at least very straightforward. It's very simple. Another key thing that we didn't think about until we actually found a document from, I believe it was Wit and Wire. If you have, if you're looking to start a podcast, also go check out Wit and Wire. She has some really good stuff, but building and creating your intro and outro, you're going to need something that leads into each episode and you're going to need something that you use to exit each episode. So drafting out that verbiage, recording it, so that you can insert it into every episode without having to obviously say your intro at the beginning of every episode. It saves you some time and it also creates branding consistency. So we definitely recommend doing that. We also recommend having some background music. We found ours in Envato. It just makes it a little more lively. It separates the intro and outro from your actual episode. And I like to think it kind of sets the mood uh, for what you're about to hear. So we decided that as a team pretty quickly, but we recommend doing that because of consistency, having that intro and outro already done beforehand. It's a lot less work. It's more consistent. You don't have to continuously say it over and over. I'm sure we would love to re-record one day when we're all together. We actually have multiple intros and outros, right? We started with our original one and then we added a drunken marketing one because that ended up being its own mini series. So You can always have multiple intros and outros depending on what your podcast develops into. But we use the same music for both, right? Yeah. The music was so much fun. It's fun to set the vibe for your podcast. Like, we're all fun people. We want to be really lighthearted. So we were like, oh, this one reminds us of a fun summer gathering. And that makes us think of wine. And this describes us. Like, if you are going to have a more serious tone or things like that, you can find music that can reflect that. But I remember picking up the music being particularly fun. Probably went, like, branding, most fun, music, second fun. Second most fun. I think it was called Summer Vibes was the name. So it makes sense. Did we have to pay for that page? Was the music free? No. We have a subscription with Envato. So we just used that and it was able to download for free. Cool. Okay. So now that you have your intro outro done, the next step is brainstorming episode topics. This can be either fun or a little bit of a headache, depending on how many ideas you have. We recommend writing down about 10 to 15 just to get started. And the idea too is not to get too... I think what you're trying to say is to go deep and not wide. Yes. Yes. Because otherwise you'll run out of topics very quickly, right? I like your depth, not breath. Yes. Depth, not breath. Breath. Breath is a really hard word to say. It is a weird, yeah. Especially when you've been drinking. But Paige, didn't you say someone once said, think about 50 episodes down the line. So if you're going to hit episode 50, which we're only on, what, episode 17, so we've got a long way to go still, you really have to get deep into topics and very specific so that you don't run out of content. Otherwise, you're going to have to recycle a lot. Another thing is to think evergreen because you don't want to be too specific. I mean, it depends on the type of podcast you're going with, but I always recommend not doing something that's too specific to an event. Because then it, if someone listens to it later in a month or two down the row, it might not be applicable. And then they're like, well, I don't want to listen to this. I'm going to listen to the next one. And that's a wasted opportunity. So think Evergreen. Think 50 episodes down the road. Those are our top tips for brainstorming. When we were brainstorming episodes and we were talking about 
virtual events because it's 2020. We were like, oh, our virtual events still going to be a thing in six months. And we didn't know if we wanted to do it or not. And here we are like almost a year later talking about virtual events. So I think 2020 was an exception. We did post some episodes that were more specific to this time. But I think that what has what has happened this year will have an impact on all events going forward because companies may realize that they don't need to host this in-person event. They can have their event virtual going forward and they've saved a lot of money. They've got more attendees because people don't have to travel and things like that. So I think there are some exceptions to the evergreen content, but for the most part, I would definitely agree with that. And I think we had to diverge a little bit because a lot of most of our expertise is events and event planning and putting on these really cool events. And so we had all these ideas with that topic in mind. And then we hit this pandemic. And so we're like, well, people aren't meeting in person for events. Yes, we can switch to virtual events as a subtopic, but we might want to put some of these other ideas on pause and go to something that people can apply in their everyday. So maybe think of something with those current events when you are going with topic ideas. We actually use Asana to collaborate and mark these down because sometimes it's like, oh, I had this idea. And then you think about it in three months and you're actually going to record it and poof, it's gone. We write down all of our potential episodes in Asana and manage that there. We probably have like a hundred episode ideas in there right now. They're not fully hashed out, but they're at least there. So I'm proud of us for that. Which is good that we have those ideas because then eventually it helps us move on to our next item, which is actually building the outlines of the episodes. And even when we start building out these outlines, we've noticed too that we can go really in depth and we can make these episodes super long, or we can break them into two different episodes, which kind of helps us, you know, make it to 50 episodes. If we have these things that we can break them out and talk a little bit more in depth about one thing over the other, that helps us. And we just don't wing it when we record. I wish we could, but when we have five of us, we kind of want to know a basic structure. I love creating outlines. So that's one of my little projects of the team. One thing that I recommend having is the title, the description, a basic structure with bullets. I wouldn't write out paragraphs or even sentences for the most part, because you're trying to speak from the heart and speak to what you know. If you're reading, people can tell. So try and just have bullets and speak to those and build from them. Making sure you're adding your own personal experience and stories when you do that. One of the last episodes I created was based on virtual events and it ended up being three separate episodes or it's going to be. We've only done one so far, but when I was writing the outline, it got really long and it became very evident certain parts that we should take out of it and make their own episode because we could dive into those a lot deeper. We actually have done this too where We think the episode outline might be a little long, but we're not sure. So we give ourselves like a a set time of like, okay, if we hit this point and we're almost at an hour recording, maybe we should just save this for later and build it out as a separate episode. So you can do that too. Or you could record it and then separate them into separate episodes then. It really depends on you. When we do ours, we speak from our experience But if you're interviewing people for a podcast, I still recommend at least having questions ready to go just because that is more of a conversation. You're not going to have bullets, but you might want to have some starter questions just in case. And we also recommend that you provide those questions to your interviewee so that you don't have a situation like we saw when we were at Create and Cultivate and it got a little bit, I'm trying to think, what was the word? Awkward? Weird? Yes. Yeah. And the nice thing with the podcast is you can cut that if it is really awkward and weird. If it's live, you can't really do that so much, but still, still share the questions with the person. It's very nice. So they're not coming in blind with being recorded because I've never been interviewed personally, but I can imagine it's stressful and a little intimidating. So. Right. And it's just, it's polite. It's nice to be prepared. No one wants to be put on the spot and I don't know, not know the answer to a question or not be prepared because Like in a job interview, people just want to hear what you have on the spot because they want to see if you can think quick on your feet and things like that. But for the purpose of providing education to someone, I think most people would like to be able to think through their answers and make sure that they're providing thoughtful education. Agreed. 
once you have your outline ready to go, the next thing is to hit record and actually record an episode. It's not going to be sunshine and butterflies and rainbows or whatever. The first time you do it, it's going to be awkward AF. And this is where you really have to work on your flow because it's not going to be the greatest, most amazing thing your first episode. You might not even post your first episode. It depends on what you like, but you just have to start somewhere. I think that's kind of the main thing. We made such a big deal out of this and I don't feel like it was that big of a deal. We were all like so nervous and we're like, oh, we just need to do it. We just need to do it. We need to have this practice episode. And I do agree that it did. It did help with our flow. But when you're remote, we still interrupt each other all the time. And you probably hear that on our episodes. We try to cut some of it out, but it is what it is when you're remote. I think We were in person to record one of our intros and we learned that when you are in person, it's a lot easier because you can tell when someone wants to speak. But yes, I just, I feel like we should have pulled the trigger a little bit earlier. But it's hard because your first episode isn't going to be perfect, right? You just have to start. You just have to know it's not going to be perfect. We've gotten a lot better. Hopefully our listeners have thought we've gotten a lot better as we've gone on. And like we've gotten better at cues and raising our hand or doing different things that signals who wants to talk next. Because virtually that's been the hardest part. Like Katie said, we do talk over each other and you can't really, you can cut that part, but you can't separate out the audio, at least the way that we're doing it. So it turns into a garbly gook mess. But, you know, just accept that some of that's going to happen. Dogs are going to bark. Babies are going to cry. There's going to be text notifications coming through, even though you thought you turned off your phone. It's not perfect. But I think if, as long as you're sharing valuable content and something that people want to hear, they'll stick with you through it regardless. It also will show you how far you've come from your first episode once you do make it to maybe 50, 100, whatever episodes you have, when you can go back and listen to that first one and maybe laugh at so many ums and likes, you know, things like that, or hearing things in the background or the splotchiness it might be between people talking or whatever, and then just to see how far you've come. And I think the mistakes are what make us real, too. I don't think any of us are the kind of people that want to be perceived as perfect and know or think that we know how to do everything perfectly. Like, we're all here because we want to be here and we feel like we have valuable information to share. I mean, if you aren't going to listen to us because you heard a dog bark in the background, then I don't know that you're our kind of people, unfortunately. I feel like that's what makes us real. We could also tell we're not reading off a script. Well, at least I hope you can. Sometimes the intros, we've got those a little more scripted to make sure we make our point and don't get carried away. <laughs> After all, we've had a few drinks anyways. But again, you can edit everything out when you do the actual editing of the recording. So. I think we've already said this, but we typically rotate who records them. I've started using Descript, which does allow you to remove the ums, which I secretly really like and want to have it remove the likes and all the other things. But that does keep us real. Splitting up who edits the episodes helps split up some of that workload. And we do try to keep them under an hour. But once we've had a glass of wine or two, we get a little chatty. And sometimes things take a little longer. So I think... We're in our drunken marketing episodes. Weren't we hoping to keep those like 20 to 30 minutes? And I think we have yet to have one under like 45. So, yeah, just like each other too much. (laughs) Yeah, the stories get flowing and it's like, oh, there's 40 minutes. I don't want to cut anything. Oh, well, we We try funny tangents, too, because that's what makes us us. If we cut out all of the funny tangents, then I mean, things could get a little bit dry. Yeah. Kelly did cut out like some 10 minute story about us talking about our favorite Christmas movies, though. <laughs> Sometimes it does go a little too far off topic. Super unrelevant. Yeah. But hey, once you have that edited, then what you just need to do is launch your episode. Woo. Maybe with a little bit more enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> Try this again. Woo. Woo. Yes. Continue, Kelly. <laughs> So when you go to launch your episode, what we found, and we kind of researched this, that when you launch your first one, you actually should have three episodes ready to go. That it's 
they're there, they're already pre-recorded, edited, everything like that. You are just ready to go. So it can hopefully get people interested in your content and you have those three to hook them in. So then they're ready to follow your rest of your consistency, whether that is weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever. Think of your favorite TV shows. If you're watching it like one at a time and you have to wait next week for it to come out, you get kind of antsy and angry about it. But if you have like three that you can binge off the bat, you're just like, yes, like three hours or half my weekend is gone. Thanks to this. When you want your people to be excited to listen to you and come back for more. Another thing, I mean, Charlotte kind of dove into this, but so we use Podbean. And we were able to connect it to like Apple, Spotify, and Google. I think there's more out there, but those are the ones that we picked. And we created an RSS feed that I can't speak to the logistics behind that. So we'll just (laughs) create an RSS feed. (laughs) Just create an RSS feed. Google it if you don't know what it is. It's going to take too long to explain. (laughs) There's a lot of articles out there on Google that will tell you how to do this. So definitely Google it. Yep. And so once your episode is live, then you want to cross promote it on your social media, which you've already been using. But a good way to do that is to use audios or videos like sneak peeks. I said this in the beginning, we use headliner to do this. There's a lot of other ones, but having that is really kind of a fun way to like reel people in. They hear a little bit of the story and they're hooked and then they go listen to hopefully the whole episode. Uh, And then share takeaways. People love lists. People love the key things at the end just to go through and swipe one, two, whatever it is. I always make sure to have those after we post. The headliner posts are some of our best performing ones. And those are fun. We've seen a lot of research recently that says video is everything. Audio is everything. They perform a little bit better than just our flat vector images and flat images sometimes. And I agree with Paige that you put like a little snippet of the audio and then people might be interested in your post to click in and listen more. You're giving people a little taste of who you are before they completely like dive in and commit to downloading your episode. That's a great way to gain followers because people want to follow and listen to others that are authentic and real and gives you a nice little taste of what you might be in for. The hardest part is figuring out what 30 seconds you want to post because it's 30 seconds is the restriction. So you're like, what part of this story? We just posted one of my worst massage ever. And it was hard to be able to cut it because it's probably a 10 minute story, but we had to cut it into 30 seconds. So you do have to have some of those struggles, but you know, it's not a big deal. You can also have multiple 30 seconds though, right? You could share different snippets. You don't have to have just one from that story if you want a little more intrigue or to share throughout. One of the things we've slacked off doing, but you can do is to share show notes. You can typically get your podcast transcribed. Again, why we use Descript. And then from the transcription, you can create your show notes or you can use your outline to create those. And then Paige normally takes some of the outline and uses that as the takeaways in our social media. Yeah, it's really easy to pull from our voices of what we've already said in the episode because we've already said it. It's one less thing for me to have to write. So having that to your disposal is really a great tool. Well, also, if you use a transcription, it's how you're talking versus how you're writing. And the way you write and the way you talk are different. So sometimes it's nice to be able to pull captions from what you said live on the podcast because it sounds more natural or more conversational. And it sounds more like your authentic voice versus something that you tried to write. And it just doesn't flow as well, is what I'm trying to say. I agree. The other thing that was important to us, and we make it a point to give them to you at the end of every episode, is the takeaways. We all agreed that we probably wouldn't spend an hour of our time listening to something that wasn't beneficial to a specific area of our life. So we wanted to make sure that we were always giving our listeners the takeaways. We're going to dive into those right now so you know why this episode is important and why we decided to record this one. And takeaways are a really good recap because you listen to us for an hour. Sometimes you forget those little key tips that we give. Number one is first think branding. Brainstorm your podcast name, invest in creating your logo, and then write your description. Number two is determine your goals and audience. What will make your podcast unique? You don't want to be too similar to something in the market that already exists. 
Number three is to set up your accounts and any technology required. That includes email, your social media, your project management tools, order your microphone, and whatever podcast platform you're going to use. Number four is determine a launch date and frequency. What time of the week, how often, that type of thing is a very important step. Number five is to start building your audience on social media. We recommend starting it about three months prior to launching, if you can. That'll give you enough time to set a launch date and build up some momentum. Number six is brainstorm your first 10 to 15 topics and be specific and go deep versus wide so you don't run out of topics down the line. You want to try to aim for that 50 episode mark. Think about what if your podcast is around for an entire year. And number seven, create and record your intro and outro. It helps to make it consistent and that's one less thing that you have to worry about each episode that you're launching. Number eight, release at least three episodes to start so people can binge and really get to know you. Number nine is to promote your episodes on social media. And 10 is post your first three episodes and celebrate. As always, we suggest celebrating with a glass of vino. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Wine and Whiteboards. And we are going to cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Wine and Whiteboards podcast. For show notes, links, templates, and other resources, visit our Instagram page at Wine and Whiteboards podcast. And while you're there, follow us to get more hacks and occasional wine-themed humor. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you would take a minute to leave a review. And don't forget to subscribe so you can continue listening to our marketing tips and design tips. Cheers! Cheers.